you do, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Not sure how I found my way there. Just felt impressed to preach out of the passage today, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> Romans 8, and we'll start reading in verse 35 and read down through verse 39. A passage we know well. We've talked about it. Well, I've never, I've never, I guess I've preached from it maybe once since I've been here, but I've referenced it many, many times. Romans 8, verse number 35. And we'll pick up reading there, go down through the end of the chapter, and just touch on a few thoughts in there. Okay? You got that place and you're able, let's stand together for a moment as we read the Word of God. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, or no, in all of these things. That's very important. Not after he gets us out of it. But in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all the saints should shout right there. Praise God. That's good. Amen? You can be seated. I've mentioned what I'm about to say in the past. You may remember it, you may not. But Dr. R.A. Torrey, a brilliant preacher and author in his day, he wrote many helpful books which still help my heart and others read them to this day. Dr. Torrey was once asked by a certain man to name the most profound concept he ever learned from the Word of God. Without hesitation, this brilliant Bible scholar said this, he said, the most profound truth I have ever encountered in the Word of God is this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now you might have thought a man of his education, a man of his standing, a man of his ability would have talked about the incarnation of Christ or the great doctrines of election or predestination or some other profound biblical concept. Yet for Tory, all of his work in the Word of God revealed to him the love of God for his people to be the most profound concept he ever encountered in the Word of God. Now, like Tory, I'm also amazed at the love of God. How about you? But what amazes me more than the love of God in general is that God would love His people. And then if you take it a step further, it amazes me even more that He would love people like me. 
Now, you know what you are, and I know what I am. And all of us would honestly have to say there's no reason why God should love us. Because we're all sinners, aren't we? We all fail Him on a daily basis. We stray away from His will. We neglect His word and prayer in His house and His worship and everything else He has commanded us to do. And we all fail to love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We are a spiritual mess. And yet God still loves us. Not only does He love us because He has saved us, but I find this even more incredible. He loved us while we were still dead in our trespasses and sins. In fact, God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us while we were still lost in our sins. The Bible tells us that God revealed the depth, the length, the breadth, the fullness of His love for us in that He sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. Paul said, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Having just told us that it wasn't for a good man or for a righteous man, but Christ died for sinful men. He died for lost people. He died for the enemy, if you will. And when it says there that God commendeth His love toward us, that word commendeth means to make known by action, to demonstrate, to show. As I've said in the past, the cross was God's billboard, and on that billboard He wrote the word love. God said, I love you, when He hung Jesus on the cross. Now, God loves us not just because we are His, but God loved us before we were His. We touched on that. But to take it a step further than that, God has loved us forever. Before there ever was a world, God loved us. Before there ever was a man named Adam, God loved us. We've been in His heart and in His love for an eternity. He said this in Jeremiah, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Then he said, Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Because the Lord loved us before time began, when we entered into the world in time, God drew us unto himself, and he saved us by his grace. Thank God for that. And because God loved us, and because he loved his son, this will blow your mind. Every one of us who are in Jesus today are the Father's love gift to His Son. Jesus said, All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Because God loves us, He gave us to Jesus, and Jesus died for us, and God saved us. Ladies and gentlemen, we are saved today because God loves His people. As Paul said in Ephesians 2, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come He might shew the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Because God has loved us forever, 
He extended grace and mercy to us and brought us unto himself for salvation. But guess what? The story does not end there. Now the text I've read tonight and that passage on the screen from Ephesians get to the heart of the matter I want to preach about this evening. I want you to know an important, life-changing, heart-lifting truth this evening. I want you to know that God loves you. I don't know why he loves you, but he does. And this truth is astonishing when you stop to think about it. Who are we and why would God set his love on us? I don't have the answer, but the Bible does. And the fact is, even if we never understand it, God loves his Even more astounding than that, God will love us forever. There's nothing I can do to make him stop loving me. He loves me when I succeed, and he loves me when I fail. He loves me when I'm holy, and he loves me when I'm unholy. He will love his children forever. Society, the world at large, can't make God stop loving us. Sin can't make God stop loving us. Satan can't make God stop loving us. And none of the situations we face in life can make God stop loving us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I want us to be able to leave this building tonight saying to ourselves, Jesus loves me, this I know. Now this text before us, it talks about God's love for his people. And it teaches us a wonderful truth. And that truth is this. We are loved today, and we will be loved forever. So if you will, I want to preach around that thought, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I want to share some assurances with you which arise out of this text. And these assurances flow out of the very nature of God, And because God is an unchanging God, you and I can rest in the truth that He loves us today. He loved us yesterday, and He will love us in all of our tomorrows throughout eternity. Notice three simple assurances in this text. Number one, verses 35 and 36. I want you to see that God's love is an enduring love. Now, regardless of what comes through comes our way in life. And you know as well as I do that life is filled with all of these twisting turns and changing ways. Nothing which ever comes against us or into our life will ever come between us and the enduring love of God. God loves His people and that love will endure regardless of where attacks may arise from against it. Now, there are going to be times along the way when you will wonder if God loves you. There will be times when you will question whether or not God has forsaken you. But I want to tell you, God can neither forsake you nor can He stop loving you. He loves you, and because He loves you, He has promised you that He will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and that, lo, He said, I am with thee always. God promised that He would be with you. And his promise to us in verses 35 and 36 is that nothing will separate us from the love of God. 
in verse 35 there of our text, you have that word separate. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The word separate there, interesting word, it carries the idea of a divorce, of a dividing asunder. It, it refers to an amputation. What Paul is saying here is who is able to cut us out of Christ and amputate us out of His love? And the answer, nothing. Nothing can divorce us from Him. Nothing can cut us out of Him. If we are in Him, we are in Him forever. Nothing can divide us from the, from the enduring love of Almighty God. Life can throw a lot of curveballs in our direction. Many have crossed the plate of my life. And I've swung at a few and struck out many times. But I'll tell you, God has never stopped loving me. And Paul here talks about some of the trials we might encounter in this life. Notice what he talks about in verse 35. He says, shout tribulation. Tribulation refers to intense pressure. Some of you know what that's like, don't you? You understand stress. You understand pressure. You know what it's like to be backed up against the wall. You know what it's like to be under the gun, as they say. That cannot separate you from the love of God. Then he mentioned distress. That refers to extreme affliction. Some folk in our congregation have been through extreme affliction. Some of you are headed that way. Some of you have been there. You know what he's talking about. But to be extremely afflicted does not mean that God does not love you. Then there's the word persecution. That word means to run after, to pursue and it refers to a systematically organized program to oppress and harass people or groups of people and that word persecution it refers to the pain torture and death that have been has been inflicted upon God's people simply because they're in a relationship with him if you've ever been falsely accused because of your faith if you've ever been attacked for what you believe if you've ever been made a mockery because you are a child of God, you understand a little bit about persecution, and even then, God still loves you even when you are being hunted by the enemy. Then he mentions famine and nakedness. That has to do with deprivation or of doing without, of someone having to live without the physical necessities of life. There may not be food in the cupboard, but God loves you. There may not be money in the bank, but God loves you. You may not have nice clothes to wear, but God loves you. Your, your car may be held together with baling wire and chewing gum, but God still loves you, okay? It doesn't matter what we have or don't have. It does not affect the, the way God loves us. He has chosen our lot for us based upon His will for us, and it says nothing about how He loves us. Then he mentions the issue of peril, and peril there refers to the dangerous circumstances of living life in this world. And then he mentions the sword, and it speaks of believers literally giving their lives for the cause of Christ. Not much of that happening here in America, but it is around the world. It has for the last 2,000 years. Many saints of God have become martyrs because they're in a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, for the people Paul is writing to, these words were very poignant. He, they understood what he was saying. All of them 
knew what it was to experience these kinds of hardships. Crushing poverty, hatred, persecution, imprisonments, torture, death. They were all dangers faced by our early brothers and sisters. And that's why Paul quoted what he did in verse 36. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul said that is how we Christians live our lives. Every day is a miracle of grace. And every day we face possible death because of our relationship to Jesus. Thank God it's not that way here today. It may come that in our direction one day. But Paul is reminding them that even if they come to them and cut their head off, if they take everything they have, if they oppress them and push them to the ends of the earth, God still loves them. It does not change the fact that God loves His children. Now for us, all of these things would fall under the heading of tribulation, I suppose, and they speak of all the pressures we face in our lives. No one's trying to capture us tonight. No one's trying to torture us. No one's trying to imprison us and kill us because we believe in Jesus. And even while we don't endure the same torment as believers did in the early church, we still have our share of trials and troubles, don't we? There's still tribulation. We talked about that on Sunday night. There's physical pain, there's emotional turmoil, there's mental stress, there's spiritual upheaval. All of these are a part of our lives. But God wants you to know, based on those two verses, that His love endures. Even when you are in the midst of chaos and when you are hurting and when your life is broken and you don't know what to do, God wants you to know that He loves you. Those things have not divorced you from the love of God. God has not written you out a bill of divorcement and turned his back on you to find a new lover. God has not amputated you out of Christ. You are still his and he still loves you. And there is a reason, there is a plan. God is doing something. You may not know what it is just yet, but in God's time you will. God's, time, God's love is an enduring love. But look at verse number 37. I want you to notice second tonight that God's love is an enabling love. That is the second assurance we have from the Word of God. Verse 37, Paul said, Nay, in all of these things, in all of what things? Well, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, perilous sword. In all of those things we are more than conquerors, again, through Him, what? That loved us. So what Paul's saying there is that while all these matters cannot separate us from the love of God, they do, on the other hand, serve to prove God loves us. Everything you face in life is a proof of the love of God. You say, no, that makes no sense. If God loved me, then why wouldn't He keep me from having to go through this or that? If God loved me, then why wouldn't He prepare my way so that it would be easy and I'd never have any problems and every need would be met in abundance and Everything would be the way I want it to be. Why wouldn't God do that? Well, God, God does not let you have that kind of life simply because He does love you. If you've ever raised a child and you gave that child everything it ever wanted, you'd have a spoiled brat. If you raised that child and never corrected bad behavior and never taught, taught it proper behavior, you'd raise a 